You know, I guess I think I've always been a professional critic, you know, or some sort of professional appreciator or something. This is serious business here, man. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Physician, heal thyself, the adage holds. But sometimes even a doctor needs an expert consultation. That's where the rock doctors come in. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Stay tuned for a quick and painless visit to the rock doctors. Plus, a review of the new album from indie songwriter Sharon Van Etten. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Greg, though many people may not know the name Sharon Van Etten, we've been impressed with her from the start of her career. We had her as a guest on Sound Opinions a couple of years ago. She's up to album number four, and she recorded it at uh, studios in Weehawken, New Jersey, and at Electric Ladyland in New York City using some instruments that have been used by John Lennon and Patti Smith. You can't beat those as influences, Jim. But first, we've got two of our greatest national pastimes, rock and roll and baseball. I keep my eye on the sparrow, keep my focus pretty narrow. I listen to the music and read books about its makers. I read books about baseball, the swingers and the takers. But what I love even more is pouring over box scores for half an hour. Well, Jim, spring's upon us, and you know what that means, right? I get to hear lots of news reports I don't care about about the Cubs being at the bottom (laughs) of everything. Yes, baseball season is upon us, and I know, Jim, that you're not the biggest sports fan, but we've got plenty of baseball fans in our audience, and we've got five of the biggest baseball fans we know who also happen to make music for a living. Peter Buck and Mike Mills of R.E.M., Scott McCoy of Young Fresh Fellows and the Minus Five, and Linda Pittman and her husband Steve Wynn, who founded the Dream Syndicate. They brought these two loves together, rock and roll and baseball, for something called the Baseball Project, and they recently released their third album, aptly titled Third. We spoke with Scott McCoy and Steve Wynn just before opening day, and we started by asking Steve, why baseball and rock and roll? We're just big fans. We're not, we're not goofing around here. Scott and I are both huge fans. We actually, strangely enough, didn't know each other that well until about seven years ago. Um, we kind of met over, a few times over the years, but not that well. And we ended up getting into a long conversation one night in New York, a, a party when R.E.M. actually when R.E.M. was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We had a party, and he and I ended up holding up the bar until about two in the morning, talking baseball. And then <laughs> at some point in that conversation, as at least the part we can remember from that night, it turned out we both had, had the idea for years to do a record all about baseball. And it was like one of those ideas that people have that you say you're going to do someday but never get around to. But once we realized that the other guy wanted to do that as well, it kind of gives a little motivation to, you know, to, to get it done, which we did very quickly. So tell me, were you aware of the history of baseball songs at rock and roll before you did this? Well, I knew, I knew quite a few of them. You know, there was those rhino Rhino did a couple of compilations of baseball songs, you know, and certainly there was a fair amount of them that I was had heard before and was a fan of, like the Trin Years doing uh, the Willie Mays song, the <laughs> yeah. Say Hey song, which is That's my phenomenal. favorite too. Say hey, fellas, what's your name? 
Say who? Say Willie. Say hey. Say who? Swinging at the plate. Say hey. Say who? Say Willie. That giant kid is great. When he hits the ball, it's long gone man. Hits it farther than camp began. Swings the bats like a little lead pipe. When they reach the ball, it's overripe. Say hey. Say who? Say Willie. You know, so there was a few out there, but I felt like. It hadn't really necessarily really been done the way I knew Steve and I were capable of of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think both even had ideas of some things we'd want to write about if we ever did it. So once we, you know, when I had thought about doing a record about baseball for as long as, and and the whole time I would always talk about it. And and Linda, um, Linda Pittman, my our drummer and my wife, she would always say, "Stop talking about it. People, are, someone's going to steal that idea if you keep talking about it." I said, "I know, but I, I'm excited. I just." Gotta gotta do it someday, and so I'd already thought about like, oh yeah, Sandy Koufax would make a great subject for a song, and you know, and Kurt Flood, that's a that's one. Ted Williams, I, mean, I kind of knew a lot of people I would write about, so it made it easy for us once we decide to do it to get the songs written. Yeah, there's a lot of lore attached with baseball. It seems like in, in some ways it has more of this romantic allure than maybe some other sports you could have chosen. Is that is that kind of one of the reasons that you gravitated towards, say, baseball as opposed to uh, tennis or lacrosse or something <laughs> like that? The tennis project. <laughs> yeah. Three albums about hockey. See it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Badminton. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, curling would work. You know, yeah, I, I think – of course, it works really well because we both love baseball. So right away, that's you know we're most qualified to write about this uh, sport we like the most. But in reality, baseball is just it's it's a sport with a lot of great history, a lot of great stories. You know, a, for a long period of time, 150 years. And on top of it, it's really a, more than other sports, more than other team sports. It's a game of the individual. It's a game where you know you can have these larger than life figures because. You're kind of, you know, you're alone on the pitcher's mound. You're alone in the batter's box. You're there on the line all by yourself. Sure, your teammates are going to have some impact on what happens. But for the most part, it's, you know, it's that, that monolithic, mythic, one man against the world kind of situation that makes for great songs, great stories. <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute. All right, so, so Scott, Steve, you know, you're both from the indie rock world. You know, our band could be your life. You know, you've had various successes, uh, you know, Scott especially, playing those arenas with R.E.M. But, okay, you you are both idealists. I know your, your music and your work, right? And isn't this a sport where people take drugs and they get paid millions of dollars and they don't even know what city they're supposedly playing for? It sounds like stadium rock. And, and, uh, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, like I understand, you know, writing a song about the Black Sox, you know, or Stanley Co- uh, uh, Kofag. Is it Stanley Kofag? Whatever it is. I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> Stanley Kowalski, no, Stanley Kofag. I, I don't follow football, like I said. Um, so, so, but I can understand that. But, but what about what baseball is today, Scott? Well, I mean, first of all, all those baseball players who take drugs and all the other horrible things they've done, they often get their – they get visited in baseball project songs. I mean, we don't. We're definitely not a rah rah baseball kind no. of band. I mean, we do some songs that are that are very positive and you know definitely express our love for the game. But we also definitely are drawn to writing about the bizarre and not always wonderful people who have played baseball too. Tight 
that's one of the cool things about it is that all that weird corruption and drunkenness yeah. and um, so American know, steroids <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah, so, rock, I mean, yeah. so rock and roll. That's right. Yeah. It is. So it really is. Yeah. So it's not a jump for us to you know write a song about a guy like Lenny Dykstra or or you know. Yeah, Mark McGuire, even, convicted or felon so, Lenny Dykstra, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, I mean, we're definitely drawn to those characters, which is probably unfortunate. We probably get accepted a little more into the baseball world if we wrote a few more songs that were like about the heroes. Gee, aren't the Yankees fantastic? <laughs> you know, or whatever. Right. But uh, but no, we wrote. You know, Steve wrote one about what a jerk a Rod is. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having this fight for 35 years with Ira Kaplan. You know, famously, Yola Tango <laughs> is named after what? The Mets guy That's who right. used to, right. you, know, you know, and I just like, baseball's not rock and roll, I say to Ira. And it's the only time Ira's blood pressure ever rises. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. He, well, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, it's it's a relatively small percentage of the indie rockers that I think that love baseball, and we've sort of since we started this band, we've sort of got to know them all. But there's, <laughs> there's <laughs> but there's there's more that don't really care at all about baseball or sports in general. I would say, well, the ones that do care, the ones that do care, are all in our fantasy baseball league. So that's <laughs> yeah. a, we, I we, hear we united them all together. I hear Steve that Mike Mills is like obsessive about fantasy sports, right? He certainly is. So so is Scott McCoy, of course. But uh, yeah, but I <laughs> all I do is you know fantasy baseball, and you know Mike does every sport pretty much, and it has like six teams in, in each every sport. sport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Reed Tribune Night at, uh, and, at South by Southwest in Austin a couple months ago. Really fun night and got just, you know, all, a lot of great musicians and all of heroes from the past and, you know, all together and just an re- amazing night. And after the show was over, Mike and I were huddled in the corner having a very serious conversation, you know, and, um, you know, well, and I, and I figured somebody from afar would have seen, you know, there's, you know, Lenny Kay over there and Garland Jeffries over there and here's Mike and Steve. You know, they must be talking about, some tour they did 30 years ago or some favorite record of theirs. No, we were talking fantasy baseball, and if you should, pitch, if you should take a starting pitcher in the first round or second round. <laughs> oh, it's probably the heaviest conversation I had the whole week. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Baseball. I love the obsession with baseball because unlike Jim, I, I share that enthusiasm. So what are your favorite baseball songs other than baseball project songs about baseball? Um, I, just because I like Warren Zevon a lot in general anyway, I really like Bill Lee, and I thought that was kind of a really beautiful, poetic song about baseball, even though it's sort of yeah. like a lot of our songs, peripherally about baseball and about a lot of bigger things too. You're supposed to sit on your ass and nod at stupid things. Man, it's hard to do. But if you don't, they'll screw you. 
and definitely one of the classics is the uh, a Cubs fans, a dying Cub, Cubs fans' last request, the Steve Goodwin song. That's that's a <laughs> definitely a classic baseball song. By the shores of old Lake Michigan, where the hawk wind blows so cold, an old Cub fan lay dying. In his midnight hour, the toll. Round his bed, his friends had all gathered. They knew his time was short. And on his head, they put this bright blue cap from his all-time favorite sport. He told him it's late, it's getting dark in here, and I know it's time to go. But before I leave the lineup, boys, there's just one thing that I'd like to know. Do they still play the blues in Chicago When baseball season rolls around When the snow melts away Do the Cubbies still play In their ivy-covered burial ground The dying fan still hasn't gotten his (laughs) last request. (laughs) And Steve Goodman is long gone. (laughs) Poor guy. It must be noted that we're taping this on the day that Wrigley celebrates its 100th uh, anniversary. And it's, you know, there's been more hype in this damn city for a a, a stadium that houses a team that never wins. Well, I I will give you a baseball reference, Mr. DeRogatis, since I know you'll appreciate this being the big meatloaf fan that you are. But Mm -hmm. I always loved the part in Paradise by the Dashboard Light where Phil Rizzuto... The great Absolutely. New York Yankees great. announcer comes in there. See, I knew him because I grew up play. in New York and he yeah. did the Mr. Coffee commercials. Yeah. Okay, here we go. We got a real pressure cooker going here. Down, nobody on, no score, bottom of the ninth. There's the windup, and there it is, a line shot up the middle. Look at him go. This boy can really fly. He's rounding first and really turning it on now. He's not letting up at all. He's going to drive the second. The ball is bottled out in center, and here comes the throw, and what a throw. He's going to slide in head first. Here he comes. He's out. No way. And, and, and I'll tell you something, you're talking about great baseball songs. I think the best baseball book, book, book ever written, which everybody should track down, I, I voiced on everybody I know, is a book called The Oh Holy Cow by Phil Rizzuto, which is basically a collection of his, some of his broadcasts put into po- um, poem form, into, into, into stanza form. It's amazing. It and is it, it, unbelievable. It's incredible. Steve's he's given me a copy, yeah. and it's just absolutely incredible. Well, he you know, off about incredible stuff. And when you see, and I, and I got the, the Village Voice would run these back in the 80s, and, you know, and they were – I just love them. If I finally put it into a, into a book, and if, really, it, it's worth tracking down. See, Steve, it, Phil Rizzuto is the greatest poet of the 20th century. See, <laughs> Lou Reed, you Lou know Reed put means. Edgar Allan Poe to music. I think what you guys should do for album number four is put this book to music. That's what I, I was going to say. I mean, think about like Billy that. Billy Bragg and Wilco with Woody Guthrie lyrics. They stumble across these yeah, lyrics yeah. and you know put finish them, the songs. Uh, now Phil Rizzuto deserves his I, own I, Mermaid I, Avenue. I, I like I like yeah. it. And I they like did it. and they did a very good baseball song, the the Joe DiMaggio song. Done it again, Joe. Dimaggio yeah. done it again, yeah. Joe Dimaggio's done it again. Joe Dimaggio's done it again. Back in that bat, gone with the wind. Joe Dimaggio's done it again. Some folks thought Big Joe was done. Some just figured Joe was gone. Steps to the batter with the great big grin. Steve and Scott, why don't you take this in order? Steve first. Who's going to win it all this year? 
Uh, I, I, and I've never write about this stuff. I think I've never gotten to write once in my entire life, but I'm going to say Dodgers over the Tigers in six. Dodgers. Oh, my God. All right. I'm you're... not saying who I – and I'm not, I'm not – it's not a, you know, a, a prediction of who I'd like to do, although I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with the Dodgers, but that's just, you know, the, the educated guess that will be wrong. Okay, Dodgers. You're going to go with the Dodgers. I'm. By the way, a beer is riding on this. Okay, so sound of beer. All right, throw in a hot dog. Why don't you? Uh, and Scott, <laughs> well, ooh, Scott, who are you? I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say the Oakland A's, and it's not uh, an entirely. I'm not saying that entirely by my brain. It's <laughs> my heart. My heart is entering into that a little bit too. But I think it's time for the A's. I think it's. I think it's time. I have to go with the Giants. I can't root against my team, so I'm going I'm, with the I'm Giants. I'm totally fine with that, believe me. Every, every, every other year? <laughs> yeah, every other year. They, they win all the even number years, That's right. right? Jim, what are, what are you going with? I think it's the Bulls year. Bulls year? Okay. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make them like they used to And it's sure that they never will again We've been talking about music and baseball with Steve Wynn and Scott McCoy, two members of the Baseball Project, along with Peter Buck, Mike Mills, and Linda Pittman. Their latest release is called Third. Scott and Steve, thanks for coming on Sound Opinions. Hey, great no being here with you guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, you guys. was a giant amongst men. To share your favorite baseball song, call 888-859-1800. And for more baseball love, check out our musical Grand Slams episode at soundopinions.org. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, the Rock Doctors Clinic is open, and we've got our next patient in the waiting room. Stay tuned. Let the babe change the game More than anyone before or since The house that Ruth built The curse of the Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. But right now, you can call us doctor. That's right, Jim. Every so often, we like to take on the role of rock doctor to help some people in our listening audience with their musical aches and pains. Sometimes the case is an allergy and aversion to a specific kind of music, and sometimes an addiction to an artist or a band. And sometimes it's just about getting a dose of something new. But this is a special case. We had an actual doctor contact us for a consult. 
We know it takes a lot for a doctor to visit the Dr. Greg, so of course we were intrigued. Dr. Michael Frumovitz is a surgeon and the associate professor of GYN Oncology at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. And he wrote in explaining that he needed an injection of new music to play during surgery, an OR soundtrack. Jimmy's on the line with us now from his office in Houston. Dr. Michael Frumovitz, welcome to Sound Opinions. Thanks, guys. So the tables have turned, and it's you who are coming to seek medical attention. Now, tell us about yourself. What brings you to the uh, Rock Doctors Clinic? So I'm a uh, gynecologic oncologist uh, in Houston at MD Anderson. Uh, We take care of women with cancer, women with cancer of the uh, female reproductive uh, organs, and uh, this often requires surgery. I'm one of the probably 50% of the doctors here who like to listen to music in the operating room while we operate, and uh, I'm beginning to get a little bored of my, my current rotation. See, I always thought, Michael, that, that this was just like a strictly made-for-TV set in the hospital that, that surgeons listen to music. Yeah, no, not at all. And actually, there's been a lot of research looking at whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. And depending on, on who you read, some people, some studies show that it's a distraction and maybe a bad thing. And other studies show that it helps doctors focus and keep the OR uh, running smoothly, but a lot of people listen to operating room music and all various types of, of, uh, of music. So I have friends who listen to uh, classical music. That's very popular. Uh, I have a friend in New York who's known for listening to very loud, heavy metal music, which I would find distracting. Wow, wow. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of people listen to music in the operating room. Is there any evidence that it does anything for the patient? I mean, because they say playing music for, for the child in the womb, right, does something. In not, nothing that I know of. Uh, you know, we turn our music on bef- after the patient goes to sleep, and we turn it off before the patient wakes up. So from the patient's point of view, they, they never know we had it on. And, and let's say you didn't have music on. What does an OR sound like? So uh, an operating room is it's fairly quiet, but it's not silent. Um, there's lots of kind of, for lack of a better word, ambient noise. The anesthesia has their machine going, and their machine makes lots of uh, beeping noises basically throughout the case. We have a suction usually on the field to help us clear the clear the uh, field of blood when that makes kind of this, you know, for lack of a better word, sucking noise. And then there's people talking and whispering and people on the phone. So there's a lot of there are a lot of what I think are distractions that are much bigger than music if if you don't have any music on. It kind of sounds like an Einstein-Zender Neubauten record (laughs) playing in the background. Okay, Michael, tell us about your musical tastes, uh, your musical history. I have what I think is a, a fairly uh, eclectic musical taste. Um, I like pop music. I mean, not top 40 pop music, but that kind of, you know, harmonious, melodic, you know, short short songs with a hook. You know, when I'm listening in the operating room, it, it can't be something that requires a lot of attention. It's It's got to be not background noise, but it can't distract you from, from your focus. Okay, that's interesting, because my first instinct would have been the kind of music that accompanies any activity. Uh, ambient, instrumental music. Like Brian Eno had music for airports, you might have music for surgery. But you put down on your intake form that that doesn't give you enough to focus on, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly it. I need something with, with, with a beat and a little bit of uh, melody. The 
uh, the ambient music is, I guess for lack of a better term, too, too ambient. It's got to distract us a little bit, but also not be too much in the background. I grew up in the 80s, and in the late 80s, I was uh, listening to a lot of uh, Springsteen. Um, I was always a, a big Beatles fan. I listened to a lot of classic rock, The Who, The Rolling Stones. But, you know, again, I, I really liked a lot of the uh, 80s kind of synth-pop music, too. And uh, and these days, who are some of your favorites? I love the new Arcade Fire uh, album. I listened to a lot of Wilco, Phoenix, Vampire Weekend, uh, Arctic Monkeys. Oh, that, that's that's a pretty hip playlist. Are you sure you're not still in college? You're actually <laughs> out with a, with a doctor's degree. I think my wife would uh, would agree with you on that comment. What I'm hearing, Michael, is guitar based sort of indie rock type bands. Yeah, I think that's how I would describe it. I mean, indie rock casts a pretty wide net. Is there anything within that realm of guitar-based indie rock that you don't like? You know, I don't like the real, like, heavy guitar. You know, there are certain songs, say, from, like, the Black Keys that I like, but as a whole, I I don't like that. A lot of that, you know, the White Stripes and Jack White, I don't like a lot of that. You know, I really like the harmonies and the singing more than than the uh, instruments for the most part. All right, so it sounds like you have an allergy to abrasive and, and an affinity for kind of more melodic. Yeah, I would hope that most people are, are allergic to abrasive. Oh, no, you should hear what we listen to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but see, what's complicated, Doc, about this prescription is we're not just trying to give you a soundtrack that you're going to enjoy on the weekend when you're grilling at home. You know, we've got to think about the setting of the operating room. What kind of requirements does that have? So performing surgery is really sort of a, a team approach. There are a lot of people in the operating room who all have very, very important roles. There are surgical assistants. There's the anesthesiologist and, and, the, uh, and the other people who are administering anesthesia. There are multiple nurses in the room who are helping to keep the surgery uh, moving and safe. And so everyone needs to be focused. No one can be distracted by, by the music, basically. So sometimes I'll, I'll use the analogy of, you know, you're, you're in a car with, with five or ten people, well, depending on how big your car is, I guess. And, um, you know, one person's in control of the music, but they really need to be considerate of everyone's listening taste. Right. So there is that. And and that's very kind of you. You know, I think the stereotype on television anyway, going back to that, is, you know, the brilliant surgeon who does whatever he or she wants in the operating room. And you're, you're considering your colleagues. Trying. I, I, I take suggestions. I take suggestions, but I don't always listen. Okay. All right. I'm really curious about when the surgery actually starts. What happens? So, you know, typically the patient will go to sleep and we'll, we'll position the patient and get the patient ready for surgery. We then stop everything in the operating room and do what's called a timeout. Uh, that means that the, the, everyone stops what they're doing, focuses, and we essentially go over who the patient is, what the surgery we're doing, why we're doing it. We make sure that the right equipment's in the room. We make sure that the surgery we're performing is, is, is the right surgery. Uh, once that's done, you know, then we get going, and that's when we start the music. And again, the music is at it's fairly. Sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's it's too soft. But you know, usually you want to play it so that uh, everyone can hear each other speaking at a normal voice level, uh, and that again, that it's not distracting from from what we're really focused on doing. I just got to go back to the time out for one minute. That that <laughs> evokes in my head every bad behind-the-scenes music documentary I've ever seen. The Madonna Truth or Dare movie, the Metallica movie, that group huddle. So excited. Dear Lord. Okay. 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 I saw last night in Toronto, the fascist state of Toronto, 
I know all my little babies are feeling fragile, and I, I just want you all to know that I love you all, and I appreciate everything that you're doing for me, and I'm here if you need me. I want you to go out there tonight and give everything that you have. Have a great show, and remember that in the United States of America, there is freedom of speech. That's exactly what we do, except we don't, we don't you know, get out our tuning fork or anything yeah. to uh, make sure we're all in tune. But that's exactly what we do. We actually say time out, and it is a group huddle to make sure that, that everything is properly ready for the surgery. So uh, time out. So she has uh, uterine cancer. We're going to do a laparoscopic hysterectomy, bilateral esophago ovoferectomy, and possible staging with lymphatic mapping and central lymph node biopsy. We're in the lithotomy position. Uh, we expect the case to take somewhere between 90 minutes and two and a half hours, depending on whether or not we have the lymph nodes. Blood loss should be less than 100 cc's. Should get antibiotics. We're talking with our rock doctor's patient, a colleague in the medical field, Dr. Michael Frumovitz, about music he can listen to while performing surgery. He's down in Houston, Texas. You know, I feel a little daunted by this, Jim. I, this I think is frightening. We're, yeah. we're dealing with some serious stuff here. I mean, well, we I cannot mean, screw this up. You know, I mean, we did the music for the grocery store, right? And we did the music for the kung fu class. And I mean, what's going to go wrong if we mess that up, right? But the, you know, he's, this guy's got a knife in his hands. Yeah, right. So we got to be very careful here to prescribe the right music. Jim, what do you think? Uh, are you ready to prescribe something? Yeah, I am. Now, I know you love the Wilco and the kind of introspective uh, folk rock, if we, if we want to say. This band comes from Wisconsin, uh, the Madison area, Baraboo, to be exact. And they're making a lot of noise. I saw them at South by Southwest a couple of months ago. They're on their way up. They have their debut album. Just came out. It's self-titled. It's Fox, P-H-O-X. And they recorded, uh, this is being mentioned in every review at the home studio of one Justin Vernon and Eau Claire. He, of course, is Bon Iver. This band, though, has this incredible soul. They have an African-American female singer named Monica Martin, who is, I swear, a kind of alt-rock Billie Holiday, Nancy Sinatra cross. Uh, she just has so much personality and, and soul and, uh, you know, the, the folksiness of the music takes a little bit of a left turn towards an almost, you know, psychedelic pagans running naked in the woods, incredible string band kind of thing. All right. Because, you know, you have adventurous tastes with the Phoenix and the Wilco and the Arcade Fire. But I think most people would listen to Fox and not dig that deep and just think this is really pleasant, melodic folk pop music. And I think you will be able to continue thinking about it as you go home. And and love it in the surgery room, uh, love it at home. I hope. Anyway, that's my hope. Good. I'm looking forward to that. All right. So my prescription, Michael, would be this uh, band out of Brooklyn, uh, originally from New Jersey, called Real Estate. And they, they've got a third album out called Atlas that I'm going to recommend for your surgeries. I'm drawing on a couple of the points you made about your current favorite music. And... Uh, in terms of the sound, guitar-based indie rock, that's what these guys have, that dreamy feel, the melodies that sort of drift in. They're not too in-your-face, but they really kind of pull you in. They're almost seductive rather than overwhelming you. it got this chiming guitar sound, very melodic bass lines, propulsive but not overwhelming drumming. There's a guy named Martin Courtney who's the, the lead singer and uh, the main songwriter. He's got a very conversational delivery, so I don't think... He will give you any sudden jolts where you know where you've got a you know a very uh, 
delicate procedure going on that you're going to be jumping out of your skin when you when you hear some of his uh, vocal delivery. And the other good thing about it was, you know, there's a song on here called Talking Backwards that reminds me a lot of Vampire Weekend, one of your favorites. And another good sign for this record, I think, in terms of taste, is uh, is not so much that they sound like Wilco, but they recorded this album in, in Wilco's uh, loft, uh, their, their studio in the loft on, in, in Chicago. So I thought that was a, a good sign. They, they remind me more of like a little early REM. There's some elements of Galaxy 500 in there. There's an Australian band that I really love called the Go-Betweens that no longer exists. These guys all have reminders of that kind of sound. So real estate with this record called Atlas, I think, is going to work for you. Great. All right, Doctor. So we've given you these two prescriptions, uh, one a band called Real Estate, another a band called Fox. What we'd like you to do is play these records during your surgeries and see how it works, and then get back to us with a uh, a full report in another week. Does that sound good to you? Oh, good. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, we'll see how the medicine goes down after a quick break here on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, and later we'll review a new album by singer-songwriter Sharon Vanette. Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis with Greg Cott, better known in the medical community as the Rock Doctors. We've opened up the clinic to help a fellow physician, Dr. Michael Frumovitz. Before the break, he explained how he likes to listen to music while performing surgery, and he asked us to recommend two new albums to add to his soundtrack in the OR. It's been a couple of weeks, and he's had a chance to put our prescriptions to use in the operating room. Let's see how they fared. Michael, welcome back to Sound Opinions. Hi, guys. All right, so now I recommended Fox. This is a very melodic band from Wisconsin. What did you think of Fox? Well, Jim, I got I got bad news for you. Fox was not uh, well loved by the group. Oh, we all thought it was just a little too slow, a little too uh, melodic. Uh, some people kind of compared it to kind of like the slower slower songs on the Feist album. Hmm. But I think we thought it was it kind of sucked the energy out of the room a little bit. They already tell you I'm on. 
You know, the Feist comparison is apt. I guess if you love Feist, they would have liked it. I hear a lot of Billie Holiday soulfulness going on with Fox. So, you know, t- take a song like uh, Laura. I mean, I, I, I do hear a little bit of Billie Holiday, but again, you know, I, I thought that for that environment where we need something to kind of move us along and, and keep us focused, it was just a little too, too much vocals, not, a, not enough uh, tempo. You know, one song that I actually did kind of like was the song Slow Motion. It, mm. it has a couple of qualities that I, that, I, that I like in songs like hand claps and whistling, uh, but other than that, I really thought it was a little too slow for the operating room. Everything I do, I do in slow motion I don't know what to say Everywhere I fall, don't know name or location Maybe I'll just find my way I'll find it Maybe I was subconsciously hoping we'd do something low-key so you take your time. Move them along is not necessarily words I want to hear from my surgeon. You don't, you don't want to be in the operating room for 12 hours either. So uh. yeah, Somewhere in between, I suppose. Well, all right, how did Dr. Cott fare? Yeah, real estate uh, with Atlas, Michael. What would you think? I really liked the real estate album. I, I liked the harmonies. I thought they were great. Uh, it had a really good tempo. You know, it really kind of uh, fit in well with, with uh, the operating room and kind of that environment.
I like the idea that you guys are listening to albums as albums, as opposed to just shuffling things in in and out, uh, individual tracks. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, we don't have the ability to kind of focus in on really kind of careful listening to these things, but that whole album from beginning to end kind of had the same tempo, the same kind of melodies, and, and I, particularly I like the harmonies a lot. started to hear Talking Backwards a little bit on the, on the radio, and I think that's a great song. Uh, but the other song that I really liked was uh, a, a song uh, called Positive, mm-hmm. uh, that I really, that I, I've enjoyed that song, and I've listened to that a couple times. I've listened to the whole album a couple times since the operating room, but that song also stands out for me. Don't know That, that was, I think, specific to that song that, that I liked a lot was it kind of had this nice little guitar riff that they kind of played over throughout the song that, um, you know, it wasn't one of these, like, heavy, loud guitar riffs. It was a nice kind of mellow guitar riff that I, that I really found myself kind of humming afterwards. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think the interplay between the guitars and even the bass is, is really melodic on this record, and I think that kind of was what first attracted me to it. Yeah, and I, I think I said when I talked to you guys before the uh, before you made your prescriptions that I didn't like a lot of like really heavy guitar forward loud music, and here I'm saying that I like this because of particularly the guitar riff. But it was it's it's a it's a very kind of nice soft guitar riff that I that I, that I'm really enjoying. Yeah, it's more conversational than in your face. You know, it's like the guitars are almost having like a conversation with the bass, and it's 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 kind of in keeping with Martin Courtney's voice, which is very, I think, kind of low key and conversational also. So it they all seem to kind of blend together. So it sounds like that's that's a perfect vibe for a, a successful surgery. Yeah, I think that describes it perfectly. That also perfectly is, describes why you're a music critic and I'm a surgeon because you can <laughs> you can you can vocalize exactly what I'm thinking.
Well, you know, uh, Doc, one of the things that we firmly believe here at Sound Opinions is that everybody's a critic. And Greg and I were really impressed by how you kept mentioning that it would have to be approved, whatever music, you know, or, or have to be amenable to the other people in the operating room with you. None of this God complex, superior surgeon stuff for you. We actually talked to a fellow who works with you, Aaron Crane. We liked it. We definitely liked the first album, Real Estate, better. I think the second album was good, but uh, a little too mellow for the operating room, I think. We love operating, and it's fun, but the other half of our job as cancer doctors can be sad sometimes. So I think we generally like having upbeat music in the operating room. It helps our mood. Nothing from the outside is ever supposed to influence our performance, but I do think it makes us more efficient and more pleasant to work with in the operating room. The real estate album I would definitely listen to in the OR again. Well, some interesting observations from Aaron Crane. So, you know, I, I think maybe I, the fact that I've seen Fox live, you know, was because there, there there is a different energy on stage. So maybe if they could, like, suit up and scrub up and, and play in a corner, would there be room for a live sextet in the corner of the operating room? <laughs> If you can knock them down to a quartet, we could probably find some more. <laughs> okay. Maybe oh. they could use some digital backing tracks. There's an invitation. There's air coming out of here that's right there. Yeah. It's, it's the recirculation of the CO2. So it's a pressure barrier system. <laughs> All right, doctor. Well, uh, at least you didn't have an allergic reaction to my prescription. Uh, your enthusiasm for Dr. Cott's prescription is, is much more inspiring. Thank you for coming to the Rock Doctors. Oh, thank you all for having me. It's been it's been so much fun. Don't send me no doctor. Filling me up with all of those pills. I got me a man named Doctor Feel Good. Yeah, yeah. That man takes care of all of my pains and my ills. If you want to make your own appointment with the Rock Doctors or nominate someone you think is in need of urgent assistance, fill out a patient form at soundopinions.org. And to make a comment on the show, call listening to Sound Opinions, and that is Sharon Van Netten with a track called You Know Me Well from her fourth album, Are We There? Greg Van Etten was born and raised in suburban New Jersey out by Clifton and Nutley, but she's best known as a Brooklyn-based singer and songwriter who began her recording career about 2009 with a release on Chicago's Drag City label. Early on, she was just a woman with a voice and a guitar, but her sounds have grown increasingly lush ever since, and the third album, her last one, was produced by the Nationals' Aaron Dessner, and she uh, introduced a full band. That was called Tramp. It was chronicling her journeys across the country. Now we have album number four, Are We There? She produced it herself, as I said earlier, at studios in Weehawken, New Jersey, and in Manhattan, the famous Electric Ladyland. She got some help with New York-based producer Stuart 
Stuart Lerman, who's worked with a lot of singer-songwriters. What kind of sounds is she giving us? Let's play a portion of the epic third track on this album. It clocks in at almost six and a half minutes. It's called Your Love is Killing Me by Sharon Van Etten on Sound Opinions. Sharon Van Etten with a track called Your Love Is Killing Me from her fourth studio album, Are We There? She's singing, When I Let You Walk Over Me, You Tell Me That You Like It. And, you know, when I started paying attention closely to these lyrics, I was somewhat shocked. I mean, the orchestration is so beautiful on this record. She's added horns or strings. She's got a, you know, a very pretty voice, but she's saying very unpretty things with it. She's talked about relationships in just about all of her songs since the very first record. But the first one sounded somewhat tentative, quiet, ruminating in a dark room at three in the morning about these relationships. This one feels full and lush, and she's brimming with confidence. But at the same time, she's singing about these extremely toxic relationships, and the effect is jarring. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's really powerful. There's a sense of surprise here. She's owning these emotions. She's owning these songs. She's singing about 
a need so deep that people will go to extremes to love one another. When she's belting out, you, you get a sense of a singer who has gone through something and wants to tell the world about it. She may not necessarily want to go through it again, but she's basically saying, you know, it was worth it because I wanted to live this deeply in these love affairs. I was struck by this album. If you had said four albums ago that she was going to be making music like this with these kind of lyrics, I would have said, well, maybe. She has grown into a tremendous artist on all levels, not only as a singer and songwriter, but as a producer. Are We There is a buy it record. I knew you were going there because you were all like gaga goo goo coming in here. You couldn't wait to talk about Sharon Van Etten. And don't get me wrong, I think she's a major artist as well. I was a little bit off-put at first by this new Baroque Sharon Van Etten. I mean, there is synth bass on here, there's drum machine, there's organ, strings, harp, woodwinds, choirs, okay? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit much at first because the Sharon Van Etten I first fell in love with musically was just that woman, that voice, and that guitar, right? And she still performs sometimes in that setting, sometimes with a band. It took me a while, and the key, the way in, was Your Love is Killing Me. Now, that is by far the strongest song she has given us on any of her four albums. I'll note, Greg, that it also is the most stripped down in this setting. There's just some clattering percussion, there's a little bit of Ennio Morricone-like guitar, and there's a droning organ. I think Van Etten is at her best with the most minimal setting, and there's a little bit of, you know, too much funky bass in spots, too much drum machine in spots, but but the essential soul and the emotional content of her lyrics are there, and that voice is there. Not my favorite Sharon Van Etten album, but absolutely another buy it record. And man, oh man, Your Love is Killing Me. That is the song of the year so far. A double buy it. What do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week, a in-studio visit from a legendary guitar player, Richard Thompson. Sound Opinion senior producers are Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. Our production assistant is Anthony Martinez. And our intern, whom we're bidding a fond farewell, was Jake Smith. Strange how a phone call can change a day Take you away On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. It's nice the way you say my name. Not very fast. New messages. Hi, Greg and Jim. This is Heather calling from New Hampshire. I cannot tell you how incredibly psyched I was to listen to the last episode where you had Warpaint in the studio you know, they're incredibly unique these days. Those incredible drums and the, the bass and just those overlapping voices. It's really nothing like I've heard before. You know, they just don't make them like that anymore. I thought maybe they were just a studio group, but after hearing them live, I think that they are the real deal. More like that, please. That was amazing, and thank you so much. I love it. Bye. My 
name's Clay Cochran. I'm a neurosurgeon in Norman, Oklahoma. When I heard about the gentleman that changes in music preference, I, I just thought of this amazing story. One of the founding fathers of deep brain stimulation, a patient of his, while doing deep brain stimulation for obesity, this patient would have a daydream, and it happened every time he turned on a stimulator. And this daydream was of, of the gentleman chasing a woman through a field, and it always ended right before he could catch her. Long story short, it just goes to show how little we know about the brain at this point in time, how much more we have to learn. Thanks. Share your opinions on Sound Opinions. Call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.